If Mary had a little lamb, you can bet she'd talk to her about it. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I don't know about you, but we had a little pop-up shower that occurred this morning here at the studios. If you picked up rain, you know I want to hear about it. Morning, everybody. I'm Farm Director Pam Youngke. Glad you're along with us on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, the showers that we picked up this morning apparently are all out of the area right now. If you got a little bit of rain, just let me know. Our talk text line, of course, available to you anytime that you have a weather occurrence or anything else you want to talk about, 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. 78 are expected high for today under partly sunny skies. Tomorrow, sunshine at 72. Thursday, sunshine at 79. Friday, will bounce up to 85. And believe it or not, for the Labor Day weekend, we are going to be well into the upper 80s, low 90s. We'll talk weather with Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist. And don't forget, our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, joining us this morning as well. New location, new vision, same goal. The Farm and Industry Short Course is producing high-quality graduates ready for success in the dairy industry. The oldest agriculture training program in Wisconsin has stood the test of time. The 16-week program returns for fall 2023 at UW-River Falls. Learn from world-class faculty, live in the residence halls, earn college credits, and create lifelong friendships. Register today at uwrf.edu. Moving Ag Products and the Mississippi. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. I went to a trade policy school in La Crosse just last week, and I had the opportunity to talk to Sam Mathewitz. He's the chief of locks and dams for the St. Paul District. We talked about how important those locks and dams are for the egg trade and the boat movement up and down the Mississippi. To start our conversation, we talked about what he does in his job. So my job as the chief is I oversee the 13 locks and dams from Guttenberg, Iowa, Lock and Dam 10, all the way north to Upper St. Anthony Falls in downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota. That includes the 150 plus personnel that work at the lock and dam sites, the two civil engineers. So each lock site has about 12 to 13 staff members. You've got a lock master who oversees the entire operations and maintenance of the site. And then they have a subordinate supervisor that'll manage about nine to 10 lock operators. And they also have an equipment repair assigned to them. There is a little variation because we have working divers within our district and they do a lot of our dive inspections. and. You know, that adds an extra person there, too. And how'd you fall into a job like this? Exactly as you said, fell into it. <laughs> no, it, that is a great question. So um, it goes back, my background, I was a generator mechanic starting out in the U.S. Air Force, and then I worked for private industry as a generator mechanic. I was a contractor at Lock and Dam 2 in Hastings, Minnesota, doing some work on their generators. They have a backup power system there to ensure the site will work if we lose commercial power. And the mechanic, site mechanic there said, hey, you'd be a good fit for a vacancy we have at Lock and Dam 1 in Minneapolis. I think you should apply. I applied. Now it's flash forward from 2008 to 23. I'm now the chief of locks and dams. I was a site mechanic. I was a lock master at Lock 10 in Guttenberg, Iowa. A leadership training put on by the Corps, some from the military, some self-study. So you basically worked your way up from the bottom. That's a great way to put it. Is you're right. I worked my way through the system as a mechanic, starting in you know a wage grade, and now I'm a you know manager. 
So does that give you a better understanding for managing these locks and dams? I think it does. You know, I understand the maintenance aspects of it. I understand some of the operational aspects. I know what it's like to be a person working on the sites. You know, those social dynamics, I guess you'll have it with the crew. They're small crews. Like I said, they're around a dozen people. So they become a close-knit family. Now we're going to jump right in to the barges actually going up and down the river. About how many barges and how much product goes up and down the river in a season? So it varies year to year. So we, we do have the uh, statistics for 2022. So that's calendar year, 1 January to 31 December. It's the easiest way for us to report it. When you want to talk total tonnage for the 13 locks and dams in the St. Paul district, it's 80.9 million tons. That's both northbound and southbound commodity traffic. That commodities could be anything, you know, corn that farmers are selling, coal heading north to a power plant, soybeans going down to market, uh, crude steel products, uh, they call it pig iron. It's ready for further refinement, fertilizer heading up in preparation for spring, road salt. And you can't run the river from January 1st to December. What are your start dates and your end dates for the season? So generally speaking, it is around mid-March to the end of November. You know, if I had to pick calendar dates, let's go with like 15 to 20 March and one December. You know, that's ballpark estimates. And that's gonna be based on the weather. Is there major maintenance somewhere else on the river that's gonna create a closure? Cause that also impacts us. Or does the navigation industry have a different input and say, hey, we are gonna run later in the spring or stop a little sooner in the fall. So we work with those partnerships. And what happens if you get an early freeze and you just, it gets locked up sooner and you have some barges out on the water, what do you do? That's a great question because in 2014, I bet many people remember, it got cold in November. Very cold, very fast. So Pool 10 is from Lock 10 in Guttenberg, Iowa, all the way up to Lock and Dam 9 in Linksville, Wisconsin. They had about eight inches of good solid ice. They had like, I think they said 20, 20, 22 barges or toes with barges trapped in the pool. In that case, the season wasn't over. The barges worked with us and we worked with them and we had some of the toes. They took a towboat with a barge and they kept pushing up and down, keeping that nav channel open as they tried to lock south, trying to get out of the ice and move that commodity to where it needed to go. Very great partnership effort. You know, a lockage might take 20 hours start to finish because they're pushing ice into the lock chamber. That ice has to get pushed through the lock chamber, makes room for more ice because it's in front of the that barge and eventually we get the barge in there. So you're talking, you know, a day to lock through, which is not normal. Normally it's like 90 to 180 minutes, you know, 90 minutes to two hours, give or take. You're two and a half on the long side. Well, we talked about problems with those locks and dams. Tell me how a lock and dam works, you know, from raising the water to letting it out and just give me a quick overview of it. Think of a lock chamber, it's like a giant bathtub. So you have the upstream side of the lock chamber, you know, water likes to flow downhill. So the upstream side, think of that as your faucet, and the downstream side is like the drain. So a lock chamber has four valves, one in each corner. The upstream side is your faucet, and we'll open them. We'll let water come in through ports in the bottom of it, and we'll raise the water level. We do not pump it, it is all gravity and current. And then we would reverse that to lower the water level. You know, close those upstream valves so no more water can come in. We'll lose the 
open the valves on the downstream end of the lock chamber and we'll let that water drain out and it will equalize with the pool because on each side of those lock chambers you have a pool and it'll, that water level in the lock chamber will become equal with the pool that we're going to. And then we can open and close those respective miter gates depending on where the water level in the lock chamber is. And those gates, how long is one of those lock, what do we call them, locks, actual lock? chamber. So an actual lock chamber up here is 600 feet long by 110 feet wide. So that'll accommodate up to nine barges. And how many are usually in a barge group? So in a barge group, we call it a tow. That's the industry term. So you've got your towboat pushing up to 15 barges. So we'll run um, nine in, and then we'll run the next six in with the towboat at the end afterwards. So a lot of people ask, how do we get those first nine barges, up the nine barges through? Because there's no towboat with them. That's a great question. <laughs> it is. It Actually, a lot of really smart people figured this out. So one way to do it is we have a winch on each end of the lock chamber. It's just a simple crane winch with a cable. It's got a big eye in it, and we can actually run it through a pulley system. We'll tie it, put that loot, that eye on that cable on a cavil that you'll see on a barge. It's the same looking thing that you'd have on your regular boat, you know, Bayliner, Starcraft, low, whatever, except for much bigger and much stronger. And then we will actually gently pull that barge set out. We'll get it flowing in the correct direction, uh, usually about a walking speed, so maybe two miles an hour, because we don't want to pull them too fast, they want to be controlled. You know, safety is a bit paramount. And it doesn't matter which way we're going, but that's how we'll get those barges through without actually having a towboat on them. And then the deckhands are on there, there's big pins on the side of the lock chamber walls, they're bright yellow, they look like a basketball, about the same, same dimensions as a basketball, but they're just a big mushroom shaped pin. They'll put that two-inch diameter towing line on it, and that's how they'll stop it and eventually secure that barge to the lock wall. And those barges move through, and we have commercial boats that move through. And recreational we're going to recreational boats go through. And there's always some maintenance that needs to be happening. How is that determined? Maintenance has to happen. So maintenance comes in a couple of you know a couple of things. Um, there's cyclic maintenance, like think of a car, you know, you want to change oil every 3,000, 5,000 miles. We have those items, you know, they set so many number of hours of use, so many cycles of a piece of machinery. Also, if we have wear and damage that we notice, that may change that cycle. So, you know, up here, one of the things we have to deal with is freezing and thawing every year. And it's hard on the concrete, it's hard on equipment. Once that maintenance is determined, who is in charge of getting it done? It depends on what the maintenance is. So I'm going to reference back to early in my career with the Corps. I was that person that did a lot of the small maintenance on the site. You know, I was that equipment repair at the lock site, took care of a lot of it, but we also have other resources. So within the St. Paul district, we have a heavy maintenance and repair section, and they do a lot of those odd, hard to define jobs that require cranes, you know, certified welders. They do a lot of our concrete repair work. We also use contractors, depending on how big a job it is. We may call in some contractors, or if it's something that requires very specialized training. We have all our own in-house engineers that do a lot of the determination of how, you know, what's the repair gonna look like. Basically give us a plan of action. You know, this is how you address the problem. Sometimes we have to work with, you know, private industries and contract it out a little bit. So we're gonna turn the page and look at the future. What do you think these lock and dams are going to look like? I think they're going to be, a lot of them are going to look, you know, very similar to what they are now. We're just going to, you know, continue our cyclic maintenance on them and addressing those problems that we have 
you know, some of the things that we're doing up here in the St. Paul district is we are systematically replacing the miter gates on the lock chamber. You know, these structures are almost 90 years old. They were designed with a 50 year lifespan in the late 20s, early 30s when they started building them. You know, it's 2023. They're doing well considering their age. You know, we talk about like lock, you know, the 13 locks up here, they moved 80.9 million tons and 16,000 plus commercial lockages just last calendar year. That's just commercial lockages. That doesn't count. It's like almost 30,000 total vessels. That's commercial vessels, whether it's a towboat, a passenger boat, like the one we're riding on right now as part of this trade policy school, recreational craft. That's a lot of wear and tear. And the Mississippi is so important to move our agriculture products. And that was Sam Mothowitz. He's the chief of locks and dams for the St. Paul District. And I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest this barn here This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I think the collaboration that we see between Wisconsin Farm Bureau and these other commodity groups gives us a cohesive message, a singular stance in agriculture that offers credibility. It gives us a cohesive message and support for all of our agricultural organizations. WFBF.com. It's easy to join. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. If you've ever driven a tractor, you are her friend. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Young. Absolutely. A lot of tractor driving going on these days. Time to talk about weather and uh, what we are going to be getting done out there this morning. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, joining us live. Uh, so I was reading the forecast, you know, visually, and then all of a sudden, this crazy noise started happening over my head. Here at the studios on the west side of Madison, we picked up uh, at least a little bit of a rain. It wasn't very long, Stu. Was I alone? Was I hearing things? Or did others enjoy that? No, others enjoyed it, Pam. I, I expected that really slight chance, you know, 
late night, early morning hours into this morning. I've got just a few reports. The Juno County, the Juno, the Dodge County Airport right there by yep. Beaver Dam, fifteen hundred seven inch, Mayville thirteen hundred seven inch, and look over to Washington County, Jackson, fifteen hundred seven inch. Ah. Huh. Yeah, and Stan up uh, by Green Bay said uh, 0.15 for him. So, uh, you know, like we said, uh, if you were a sound sleeper, it passed over you nothing. And now it's on its way to Michigan. We look like we're going to see a dry day ahead then, huh? For the most part, I'd say eastern Wisconsin, uh, Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, along the lakeshore could see a little rain yet in the next hour or so. The weak front still off to the north, just moving into northern Wisconsin, will drop south and southeast today. The rain that uh, you saw in southern Wisconsin over Lake Michigan, moving into northern lower Michigan right now, and it will expand east and away. But that very weak front may still account for just a little rain chance in the next few hours in eastern Wisconsin. Otherwise, we dry it out. Temperatures staying cool. In fact, even cooler than normal, quite comfortable. I like how this works out about this time of the year. When we talk about, you know, maybe an upper 70 today, a very low 70 tomorrow, we start to turn it around Thursday and into Friday, back up into the 80s, in fact, and then 90s expected for the weekend. Looks like it does stay dry and very summery right through Labor Day as well, well up into the 90s for some daytime highs. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Farmers deal with a lot, including long days, stress, and fatigue. This is your reminder to take breaks, stretch, have a snack, and hydrate your body. Avoid farm accidents by keeping yourself healthy. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn how Rural Mutual supports Wisconsin farmers and prioritize safety on the farm. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. The policy development process for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau benefits farmers because if you have an issue, you can bring that forward and it's a grassroots organization. You vote on it at your county, district, and then it eventually goes to the state level and policy could be developed on the issue that you have. WFBF.com Let's solve your issue. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. All righty, Stu. Give me some more details on this weather. Everybody getting all excited about the long weekend coming up. Oh, I know it. I don't know if I'm that excited about the heat that comes with it, but we'll see how it works out. For today, let's talk about mostly sunny skies, although far eastern Wisconsin will have a few more clouds. Could be a little shower yet later today. Otherwise, we do stay pretty comfortable in the upper 70s, probably just in the low 80s at La Crosse. Southwest winds becoming north through the day at about 5 to 15. Overnight, we clear it out. It does cool off down toward 50 for a lot of folks in the south and east. Western Wisconsin, Boston, La Crosse, you're probably in the mid or upper 50s. And then by Wednesday, sunny skies are cooler day. Very low 70s in the east and south. Mid-70s west, northeast winds 5 to 10. And we turn it around. Thursday still sunny, upper 70s, more like the 80s in the west. Southeast and south winds at 5 to 10. Sunny Friday in the 80s, Pam. And I have to say 90s look to be pretty common here as we look toward the weekend. Yeah, I actually noticed that. I mean, uh, 
people were starting on our on our tour. People were starting to get a little anxious that we were uh, in those seventies. But uh, I tell you what, it uh, it might feel pretty great compared to nineties for the weekend. We'll see. Oh, That's yeah. right. We got time. We'll wait and Northern see. Northern Wisconsin said there may be a little frost again by early ah, tomorrow. Okay, time for you to go. Time for you to go. Lost our friend Stumach Ag Meteorologist. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. We get it. You need the most durable truck and a return on it, too. That's why Ewald Chevrolet Buick is your certified agriculture dealer. With your purchase, receive AgPack at no additional cost to you. A package of farm and ranch discounts with savings up to $30,000. Right now, finance a new 2023 Silverado Turbo Max or select heavy-duty models for just 1.9%. Find new roads at EwaldChevroletBuick.com. On select models with approved credit. See dealer for details. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I, just I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. 
visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to legacy-exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? Instead of flying to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether? Like a village in Botswana or a tiny island in the Pacific where needs are easy to see. What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. What's the unit we're most concerned for? For the we've all like Luke Fickles here. You know, took Cincinnati, you know, outside the Power Five to the football playoffs. We got quarterback Mordecai, Braylon Allen, Chesmalusi. We got all these wide receivers. What, what's okay? I'll tell you the unit I'm worried about. What are you worried about? Quarterback Tanner Mordecai. I get that Mordecai threw for over three thousand yards twice at SMU against the American Athletic Conference. But newsflash: this is the Big Ten. This isn't the American Athletic Conference. It's a little. Different. Different, though he's got pedigree, but I think the other thing so is Big Ten, big stage, Rowdy. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new college for him. It's technically a new offense, mm-hmm. and we already have these high expectations for him because he has slung the ball around at SMU. He has put up gaudy numbers, and obviously Phil Longo and his offenses have put up gaudy numbers, and gaudy. they've looked really, really good. Luke Fickle is his pretty much only known success at Cincinnati as a head coach. So I think just expectations in general, we're thinking this should all come together. This should all be great. And right out of the gate, they should absolutely put like 60 or 70 on a team like Buffalo. And it should just be rolling when I don't necessarily know if it's going to go that way. And also when I have gotten hyped for quarterbacks post Russell Wilson, it's almost every time it's never went well. You've like, had flashes. Like Russell yes. Wilson came in as the transfer from NC State because the NC State coach was pissed off that Russell Wilson was playing minor league well, baseball. Mike and Mike Glennon was his backup. And they're like, well, this kid's actually you. pretty good. We're going to play you ahead <laughs> of him. And they released him on scholarship, which we all know how that ended up working out for Wisconsin. But do you remember the hype the year after? Danny O'Brien. Oh, Danny. The next, oh, Danny the next transfer from the East Coast. Because didn't he transfer in from Maryland? Maryland he was yeah. supposed to be great. Yeah. He wasn't good. Yeah, and then that. then yeah. you can talk about uh, this wasn't this wasn't necessarily a transfer, but just a a guy that was highly recruited, Bart Houston. <laughs> I mean, that never came to fruition. No. Uh, you could talk about 
another guy that, that like Bart, gave you just little glimpses, like Alex Hornibrook. You saw flashes his freshman year when he was a true freshman playing. We saw the Orange Bowl, the Manning, the Manning Academy. Oh. Nothing after that went well. No. Uh, do we need to bring up Grand Mertz? No, I well, mean, we will. He stinks, though. He, he was, what, the... All American won the MVP at the All American game. Set the silver tongue on the yeah. podium. One of, one of the best <laughs> quarterback recruits Wisconsin had ever gotten. I mean, Wisconsin was on his dream board growing up. That Illinois game. Woo! We all know how that ended. <laughs> yeah, or what well. about Tanner McAvoy when he came in? And I remember people like, oh, he's a hybrid. He can play offense and he's defense. He's a gamer. He, he can run the football. Or what about even Allen Average from Kansas State? <laughs> I mean, all the transfers that have come in that aren't Russell Wilson haven't been great. Okay, all those tra- all those guys you're talking about, though, when they were coming in, were they putting up over 4,000 no, yards, though? That's yeah. the thing. They were never as Slinging highly... it everywhere? They were never as highly touted or put up the type of numbers that Tanner McAvoy... Or, Tanner McAvoy, Tanner Mordecai yeah. has done. Tanner, careful. No for- <laughs> the, hopefully it's not foreshadowing. Yeah, but you know what? Like... The so excitement is that where your quarterback makes you the most nervous. It's coming the biggest in? one because look at the offensive line. The offensive line it added a couple of pieces from Boston Co- or from Boston College from uh, Cincinnati that were good players with Luke Fickle, and they already had a ton of talent that has been sitting there gaining more and more experience, and they pretty much retained everyone because one isn't it uh, Michael Ferdney that came back? Yeah, mm-hmm. like. That offensive line looks pretty solid. Ooh, there's already a little. What Renfro's a little banged up. You though, you yeah. look at uh, you look at wide receiver. They only brought in a ton of talent, and it's more competitive. We already know at running back that you have Ches Malusi and Braylon, Braylon Allen coming back. That's a great one-two Rumbling. punch. Uh, I guess tight end could be a question mark because yeah, there's obviously, injuries going up there. yeah, you had probably your best tight end uh, talent from twenty. 20 2021 and clay cundiff have to quit football because of injuries so i guess you could say tight end but i think overall quarterback obviously holds more importance of a position when it comes to success of an offense and tight end and then on the defense it's like they have a lot of guys returning outside of nick herbig and and keanu benton yeah but they have a lot of guys that have shown they're up to the task when given the opportunity to play and I, I feel like the only two positions I could I know that they had a lot of of secondary players leave. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Well, any of that rain we might have seen earlier this morning has definitely moved out of the state now on its way to Michigan. From what I understand, uh, they don't need much more. Morning, everybody. I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee. It's going to be a pretty mild day today, topping out around 78. A little on the cool side tomorrow with sunshine and 72. Thursday, sunshine and 79, and then we warm up for the Labor Day weekend. So today is the 29th day of August. What can I tell you? On this day back in 1966, the Beatles played their last live concert in front of a paying public. They were at Candlestick Park in San Francisco. The band did come together one last time for an unannounced performance in January 1969 on the rooftop of the Apple Building in London. But this was their last performance in public, Candlestick Park, San Francisco, on this day in 1966. And now you know. Ah, 
the school bell is ringing. For a lot of K-12 through as well as university students, they're headed back to campuses across the state of Wisconsin. And you know what? We're not just focused in on our agriculture enrollment. We're also paying very close attention to how technical colleges are serving the needs of our trades. Those welders, those plumbers, those electricians. Nate Zimdars has more. The trades, construction, electrical, plumbing, welding, manufacturing, have always provided good-paying employment opportunities for those who are interested. In recent years, the pay and availability of jobs has only increased. Madison College in Madison offers programs to prepare students for careers in the trades. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report, and I'm speaking with Ron Olson. He is the Associate Dean for the School of Technologies and Trades. He speaks about the programs they offer geared toward the trades. Here at Madison College, we're a very diverse institution in terms of what is offered at the college. I specifically support the School of Technologies and Trades. And in the School of Technologies and Trades, we have programs in the biotechnology field, information technology, construction, which includes construction remodeling, bricklaying, electrical, plumbing, get into the manufacturing-related cluster, which includes cabinet making and millwork, machine tool, welding, metal fabrication, quality. Then we get into the transportation programs. Egg equipment, diesel truck, heavy equipment, automotive technician, and the auto collision repair programs. A lot offered here at the college and really just serving the needs of our district. What are those needs that you have been seeing just over the last couple years as far as businesses and other corporations, organizations? What are they looking for in terms of employment right now? What kind of challenges are they experiencing that you are trying to help with through the education you offer? here at Madison College. The number one theme is manpower. Everyone is looking for that employee. And I heard a phrase from one employer, if the individual has the will, we'll give them the skill. So it's about finding that individual that has an interest in a given area. So what are the needs and the challenges right now? Definitely manpower, but industry business has changed dramatically. Technology has advanced, uh, how things are done. I think technology and manpower are two things that stick out to me. Is it fair to say that most of the students that come to Madison College are students who are just out of high school, or do you have quite a few returning students who are looking at perhaps pursuing a different pathway within the trades? Really a blend. That typical student coming out of high school and coming into this environment has changed. We're seeing a few more of those students coming back. There was a trend where we didn't see as many of those students. You know, our average age of our student is somewhere up in the the high 20 range. So it's not like it's a, a student directly out of high school that's coming here for that next step that we traditionally used to see. So it's diverse. Every program is different. Every class is different. So what kind of things are you looking at? How do you plan ahead to make sure that you can serve as many students as you possibly can with the resources that you have available? Yeah, that's a definite challenge. Unfortunately, we're, we're somewhat landlocked facility-wise. So, you know, you only have so many welding booths. You only can run so many sections. So in some cases, it is what it is in terms of the number of students you can bring into a given program, specifically welding. In that case, you're forced to have a wait list on a given program. But I think the advantage of, say, like the welding program, it is a one-year technical diploma degree. So we can keep that cycle and that flow of students moving. An advantage of our welding program is that we call internally that we have a bolt-on opportunity. So 
when a student completes the welding program, they can take an additional uh, 11 credits. Those additional 11 credits crosses over into a related program of metal fabrication. And welding and metal fabrication typically go hand in hand in industry. So a student can spend roughly eight, nine weeks, 10 weeks longer after the end of the school year going into the summer, take those additional credits and become certified in two programs because of the crossover of the curriculum. We could do the same with the metal fabrication program. If a student goes into that one-year credential for the metal fabrication program, they can take an additional nine credits of welding-related instruction to become certified in welding as well. Those two programs have a really good thing going of working together with the curriculum, and it's sometimes you can only put so many students through, but how can we be creative from an education side to work together on curriculum and programs that have a natural fit and really help that individual get through the program, but then get on to a good career in manufacturing. Madison College is doing all that they can to stay nimble, to be creative, and support both industry and the students who are looking to go into the trades. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. And from Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Well, Wisconsin farmers are apparently feeling a little bit better this week about their crops than they did a week ago. The latest crop progress report shows across the state, 59% of our corns rated good to excellent. That's up four percentage points compared to last week. 59% of our soybeans called good to excellent. That's up three percentage points compared to last week. 98% of our winter wheat is already harvested. 22% of our potato crop is already in the bins. And third cutting of alfalfa, 93% complete. Markets in overnight electronic trade this morning are a little bit mixed in Chicago. Talking more about that with John Heinberg, our market advisor, in just a moment. December corn's down a penny right now at four ninety-five. November soybeans are down a nickel, $14. Right now, September wheat down a half at five eighty-seven. July next year wheat unchanged, six sixty-eight. No change on barrel or block cheese. No change on double-A butter yesterday in Chicago. September milk closed seven cents lower, 1887 100 weight. October milk currently unchanged at 1864 100 weights. Like I said, coming up next, we've got our man John Heinberg, market advisor, total farm marketing out of West Bend, checking in with us to give us a little guidance on what the market's talking about. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. What BioVet does, and where the livestock producer gets their benefit, is our technology helps them with the things that they sometimes don't even know they're missing out on. Not just worrying about animals when they're sick, but trying to keep them as healthy and happy as possible as well. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. We all get hit by the storms of life. I had noticed my legs were swelling, and we went to Maine Medical Hospital, and they said, oh, Mr. Conquest, can you get up for your MRI? 
And I remember pushing up off the bed and I fell. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later. And I was paralyzed. It was a pretty low point to not be able to do the things that I love to do. PVA was there the first day. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. PVA has brought me back to life. I've fallen a few times and PVA is like, get up. We just keep getting up. To learn more, go to pva.org today. Suite of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. Sows, cows, plows. Heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Oh, yeah. Already thinking about the menu for this uh, Labor Day weekend coming up. I know a lot of kids not necessarily excited about it. Time to find out about what's exciting the marketplace on a Tuesday morning. Our man, uh, John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live this morning. So, uh, although it may be a Tuesday, we want to go back just a little bit, John. We got the latest crop progress report for Wisconsin for the U.S. Wisconsin farmers feeling a little bit more confident about that corn and soybean crop out there this week compared to last. What are you seeing as far as not only the crop quality ratings, but also that uh, recently wrapped up pro farmer crop tour is still on the minds of many? Yeah, a lot of numbers coming at us here as we're getting to that key time of the year. And obviously, the weather's been a big focus. You know, we went through that hot spell and what happened with the crop ratings there. And we saw the ratings yesterday. It was a west versus east situation again. Obviously, weather in the west was detrimental to some of the crop ratings. Those slipped. But in the east side, things were stronger. So overall, the crop ratings are actually kind of a little bit better than expected last night. Corn up to 56. They're still down to, down 1% to 56%. Good to excellent. Soybeans, we expected a bigger drop. They were only they were only down a couple percentage points. So it's got a little pressure on the market here in the overnight session. You know, obviously this warm weather is coming in, drier forecast looks like it's gonna carry well into fe- into September, and that's gonna speed this crop along. And I think that was one of the things when Pro Farmer put their numbers out there, you know, they wanted to see how this thing finishes out. So potential yield and where we are in terms of how the weather's gonna let this soybean crop or even this corn crop finish out is gonna be very key. Right now, the market's a little concerned that things are going to tighten up a little bit. So that's why we're seeing some strength in the marketplace, especially in that soybean market, given the supply picture. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, like we said, the I, I think maybe I should ask you, were you a little surprised, John, at how the numbers came in from that pro farmer crop tour last week? You know, as much as people may disagree or, be, you know, with things, I wasn't, you know, especially on the corn side. You know, I've been hearing from a lot of people that things were doing very well. The genetics we got in these plants nowadays compared to where we were 2012 is just so different that minimal water can still get this crop through. And we kind of seem to get that. And then when we picked up those key rains that kind of rolled through the center of the corn belt there a couple of weekends ago, you know, that really just kind of helped set this crop up. So now there's still a lot of variability out there. That's still 
still the big thing. You know, one area that was an area that the uh, Pro Farmer Tour saw really good strength was in South Dakota, and I got producers in North Dakota that are they're very excited about the crop that they're putting together this year, and that's going to outweigh some of the losses. You know, on the soybean side, that one's still got a lot of room to go because we're in that key area right now where some of these last pods just may not get filled. You know, and I think that's what the market's pretty concerned about, just given the demand that we're going to have domestically for beans, as well as just the international soybean picture, especially after that weak Argentina crop, even despite that big Brazil crop. Yeah. Where where do they stand right now? Are they done? Are, 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 are they off the sidelines now so the U.S. can step into that world marketplace? What's up with both Argentina and Brazil? Well, we basically on the on the Brazil side, that's really the focus in terms of corn. They're still in the harvest into the southern part of the of this of the, of the country at this time frame. So that's still keeping supplies very readily available, and we're still seeing that in our export sales numbers. We are just not selling corn here. That's why even a crop that is reduced in size here in the United States is just going to keep pressure on this market. But on the soybean side, we are kind of getting into that window. We're seeing more activity. You know, we've got the best price in the world for that January December area. We're getting some sales that go in that time frame Mm -hmm. but the problem is the market's anticipating another monster crop next year and argentina may be coming back online that could be a big factor come spring man those guys never quit marketing john heimberg market advisor with total farm marketing out of west bend's joining us live this morning their website totalfarmmarketing.com you want to talk to him he's happy to visit 800-334-9779 let's switch gears just a little bit john want to talk about livestock uh from time to time people have approached me at county fairs or wherever, uh, just wondering when this uh, cattle complex is going to collapse. You say it doesn't look like this uh, price situation is going to change anytime soon, huh? Now we're seeing a little bit of strength boom back in the marketplace again after the latest cattle on feed report that came out. And we're seeing placements down another 8% year over year. We did see some stronger placements last previous months, but that was more probably tied to weather and pasture conditions. But now we get these cattle are just not in the lots. And you go look at the 24 prices on the board yesterday, new contract highs for April and later in 2024. So this cat tight cattle supply is not going anywhere soon. And that's going to be something that keeps the market you know, well supported uh, to the point maybe we get a little run here we might just get a natural pause but maybe we get some strength again going into next year as we get further along into the calendar year biggest key is still going to be the demand and the overall economy that's what you know still going to keep this market supported is still the consumer continues to want beef as we see that in some of the prices out there in the retail level yeah those prices though are something that we need to kind of keep an eye on i'm not sure if we can measure what consumers threshold is on buying buying beef these days. You know, it's hard to track because of just, again, the cost of the item. One area that we can see just good consumer demand is in the is in the ground beef trade. Right now, right now, 90% lean is trading well above five industry averages. That's, again, just showing that at least that side of the product is moving. And then we'll watch that rib trade around the holidays. That's also a big driver in carcass price is the value of that beef rib. All right, so let's turn to the other side of the protein complex, pork producers. They continue to languish, don't they? We've seen some nice movement in the market, but things have kind of tailed back again. Now we're watching what's going on with this uh, cash price, things of that nature. I think we got more hogs coming down the pipeline. That's why we're seeing the big discrepancy between cash and the futures price here. This is a window, though. We can see usually that's some good strength in these uh, third and fourth quarter hogs. So we're kind of watching what the market wants to do. Feels like it's a little bit of a crossroads at this time frame. Maybe working a little bit more sideways, but you know, hopefully we can find some stability in the retail side and the cash side and get these futures prices moving a little bit higher. 
Again, John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us, totalfarmmarketing.com, their website. You want to email him, John H at totalfarmmarketing.com. Let's circle back then, John. You made a point about how uh, Argentina's still selling, or Brazil's still selling into the marketplace. We heard what the Pro Farmer Crop uh, Report has to say. Do I, uh, do I still market at this stage in the game? John, are we going to catch a rally? Maybe it's just soybeans. Uh, do I still pull the trigger? Of the two markets, the soybean market's obviously the one that's more friendly in terms of to the consumer or to the producer right at this time frame. You know, I've been being, being more aggressive with some of those what we call at-risk bushels. Those bushels this fall you don't have storage for and making sure we get those moving in here. Uh, but you got to protect value. We've got a little bit of a run back here in this core market. We're not going to get much of a move on the, unless we see some real pickup in demand because that Brazilian crop is just going to be an anchor on top of our prices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, what else are you watching? I, I didn't start with it, but I am very curious about it. The headlines this morning about China's economic collapse, everybody pulling their money out of the market. Doesn't sound like they're going to be as big a player as we might like them in uh, the buying side. Very much so. You know, when China gets a cold in terms of the economic level that affects everybody globally, and that is still a, kind of a, you know, one of those clouds hanging over top of the marketplace is what's going to be their buying potential. Obviously, a day-to-day headline we need to watch, as well as just how things are going here with the credits and, and interest rates here in the United States. So this brings a lot of shakiness to the marketplace overall, something that's obviously a concern. All right, buddy. Well, we'll let you go. We will catch up with you after the Labor Day weekend. I hope the girls get off to a good start with school, or maybe they're already in school. Uh, We're starting next week on Tuesday. Okay, all right. Well, we'll start with you on Tuesday as well. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Yep, have a great week. All right, John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live this morning. Like you said, got to keep your head on a a pivot when it comes to what's going on, not just here in the United States with our crop quality, but what's happening globally with uh, not only crop quality, but the harvest that's continuing. You can find them again online, totalfarmmarketing.com. You'll want to pick up the phone and give them a call, 800-334-9779. That's 800-334-9779. It is a busy time of the year for our friends at the Steffes Group. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to catch up with our buddy Ashley Hewn from the Steffes Group, find out what's uh, red hot and selling and uh, talk a little bit about the tempo of the auction markets. We'll catch up with you tomorrow morning again. Talk text line 877-301-FARM. Use it.